0: Let me give you a recap for those who were here last week and have already forgotten what I preached. And for those of you who this is your first time or you haven't been around for a while. Going back to chapter 5, in the first section of chapter chapter 5, we saw that we have peace with God through faith. And Paul gave us the condensed definition of what justification is. It is peace with God through Christ. So what I encourage you then was that you're to remember the gospel, you're to think on the gospel every day so you can stand in grace. You can stand in grace throughout your days, stand in grace. But as you're standing in grace, you're to rejoice in the glory of God. What that means is that God is going to do and is doing what he said he would do, which is save your soul and make you look more like Jesus. Jesus. In addition to that, you're to rejoice in your sufferings, which we again thought was a little bit strange at first when Paul wrote this and we were reading it, but the suffering is not the end in itself. It's a means to an end. And in the early parts of chapter 5, he says that we're going to rejoice in our sufferings because the suffering is going to produce endurance, the endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And so our sufferings, as we trust in Christ and we suffer well by the Holy Spirit, it produces hope, and we know that that hope will not put us to shame. It was an encouragement because what this chapter really is is assurance for the Christian. It's to show us that if, if when we were his enemies that he would do so much for us, that he would pursue us, and that he would send his Son to die for us, and that his Son would rise for us, now that we're reconciled to him, how much more will he do? That you do not need to be afraid that God will lose you. You can be assured of your salvation if you have truly trusted in Christ. And that assurance he also gave us the Holy Spirit and He has poured out his love in our hearts. And that's how he shows us his assurance. In the second part of chapter 5, we saw that there was this contrast that was going on six different times between being in Adam and in Christ. In Adam and in Christ. What we saw is that for all people, we are all in Adam, which makes us sinners by nature and by choice. Show of hands, how many of you are sinners by choice? Yes, you are. If you didn't know, you're welcome. But again, you sin because of your Sin nature, it's who we are because of the fall, and that we're all connected and in, in Adam. Not to mention the fact that we're in Adam, and him as he is the, the first man that was created. He's kind of the, the representative for all of us. And so in Adam, we are all sinners. However, it doesn't end there. Adam's one sin brought death to all, but after billions upon billions, upon billions of sins that have been committed. Mostly by you. Some by me. Billions upon billions, one act brings righteousness. Jesus' death on the cross. And those who trust in Christ, those who are in Christ, receive justification through faith. So the chapter ended with Paul bringing up that as sin was there, and there's a lot of it, grace abounds. There's more grace than sin. Which leads us to chapter 6. And he asks a logical question. So I'm going to read through the text. You're going to follow along silently, and then we're going to work through it verse by verse and see what God may have for us today. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 6. We know Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Paul asks the logical question, what shall we say then? Back in verse 1. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Since since wherever there's a a pile of sin, there's so much more grace that just comes and destroys that. So maybe we should keep on sinning so that way more and more grace will come. He answers that quickly. Verse 2. By no means. Again, we talked about this before. Modern translation Heck no! Ain't no way! By no means! I mean think about that for a second. For those of you who have like animals. An animal goes maybe poo on the carpet. And you found this great cleaner. You're like, ah, this cleaner is so great, it cleans it all up. (coughs) Would it be good that you just let the dog do it more and more so you could clean it all up? (laughs) By no means! Train the dog. (laughs) Or get rid of it if you have to. Whatever you got to do. By no means. Paul's like, what are you thinking? And then he says this. How can we who died to sin live in it? You can't live in anything that you've died to. This doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. No. But the idea that we would live and continue in sin, it doesn't match up because we're dead to it but he's going to explain that a little more okay Paul it's not an option for us but help us understand a little bit more verse three do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Christ Jesus were baptized into his death so he's going to, to use the picture of baptism here to explain for us to help us to illustrate what he's talking about when we are baptized into Christ Jesus we're baptized we're in Christ and we're baptized into his death That's why we as Baptists, we go ahead and we fill up the baptismal or we go out to the sea and we go to a place where there's a lot of water. We see this in the New Testament as the pattern. And when we go down, we go under the water. It's going under the ground. You're dead to your old self. And you're now new when you come back up. He says, do you not know that when you were baptized, you were baptized into his death? Verse 4, we were buried therefore with him. Listen to that. Buried with Christ. Those of you who are in Christ, you died with Christ and you've been buried with Christ. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. You know, you're not baptized into His death just to stay there. You're raised to the newness of life. To walk in the newness of life. Second Corinthians five, seventeen, a little bit of eighteen says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? Creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. We're to walk in the newness of life. Now, one part I do want to say about verse four that's interesting is just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that he was raised by the glory of the Father. We've talked about before that the glory of God. What is the glory of God? If we had to try to summarize it, how do we say the glory of God? It's the attributes of God. It's who God is going on display for the world to see. Again, we talked about before, and I showed you, it's like a flashlight. that has those big batteries, and you put it in there. This would be part of who God is, his holiness, his justice, his love. And then you hit the button, and it goes on display for the world to see. So when he raises Jesus from the dead, how does he do that? How does he raise Jesus from the dead? Well, he does it to show off his holiness, his righteousness, his love, his justice, and his power. And so it goes on display for the world to see. So we see that Paul is saying that we're, we're buried with Christ. We've died with Him and we're buried with Him because we're in Him, but we're supposed to walk in the newness of life. Well, what does that mean, Paul? Verse 5. For if we've been united with Him in His death, in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. If you're united with one, then you're going to have the other. We know that our old self, listen to this, listen to this, our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Do you hear that? If you're in Christ, You have died with Christ. You have been crucified with Christ. He's the one on the cross, yes? Jesus dies on the cross, right? But you, as a believer, you are in Christ. And so, thus, crucified with Christ, in Christ. And so, thus, dead to the old self, dead to sin, is what Paul is saying. There's so much to being in Christ. There's some of you who are here that you're not actually in Christ. You know a lot about Christ, but you're not in Him. So, you haven't died with Him. So you've not risen with Him. You weren't crucified in Him, with Him. And so you're like, I don't understand why I can't walk in the newness of life. It's because you're still the old person. You're not new yet. You need to be made new. Go back to the text. We know that our old self was crucified. Now why? Why, is, why were we crucified? In order that the body of sin might be brought to Nothing nothing and you are no longer enslaved to sin oh that is a that is a truth we need you see going back to all who are in adam we're sinners by nature and by choice we're enslaved to sin that's why we talked about even little ones as they grow guess what they're gonna sin they have a sin nature we all do but what Paul is saying is when you trust in Christ, that old man is dead. And you're not enslaved to sin any longer, and you should say, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. What could be worse than being a slave to sin where you must obey your master? You have no choice but to obey your master. But for those who die in Christ, with Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin. But as we read in Galatians, you're adopted in as a child of God. Verse 7, for the one who has died has been set free from sin. Set free from sin. Now this is pretty remarkable. We know, of course, that sin, we have the penalty for sin. The penalty for sin is what? Death. We have physical death, Spiritual death, and we talked about that you could say eternal death. That's the penalty for sin. Those who are in Christ, who trust in Christ and faith, guess what? Penalty of sin, gone. But now what Paul is explaining to us is there's also the power of sin. The power of sin that we have to obey that master. And what Paul is saying is those who are in Christ, you're free from the penalty of sin, and you are free from the power of sin now. You do not have to follow it. And one day... For those of you who are in Christ, you're going to go to be in glory and you will not even be in the presence of sin any longer. Are you looking forward to that day? Oh, my goodness. That is a day we sing about. For The one who has died has been set free from sin. Verse eight. Now, if we have died with Christ. We believe that we also live with him. Again, you're not supposed to stay dead. You rise with him. That's why we come back out of the water with baptism. Verse 9. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Death is defeated. For the death he died, he died to sin once for some. Oh. You think, all my sins, Jesus, you die for all of them, past, present, and future. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Have you done that? Oh, I hope that you have done that. But the life he lives, he lives to God. He he died to sin once for all, and the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, going to get personal. So you, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The problem is we miss that word, must consider. Those two words. We miss those two words, must consider. We forget that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. We live in such a way that we are like still slaves to sin and under that master, and you are not under that master in Christ. You are free, and you must consider yourself, how do I do that? You've got to remember the gospel. It's the gospel that has set you free. You need to remember the gospel. And as others have said, you need to preach the gospel to yourselves every day. You need to wake up and say, I am under grace. You need to wake up and say, I am forgiven because of the work that Jesus has done. I am not a slave to sin. I do not have to follow that master. Not my master. I'm somewhere else. Jesus is my master. He is my Lord. You need to preach that to yourselves over and over and over and over. And you know what else you need to do? You need to come here and you need to sing it to one another. We sing it to one another and we say it to one another and we listen to the word of God and you call your friends and you say, hey, friend, how are you doing this morning? Good. My toast is burnt and I'm really sad about it. I'm sorry about your toast. I got a piece of toast. Come over and have a piece of toast. Let's talk about how great Jesus is and let's tell each other the gospel because that's what you need. You need the gospel. You don't need more news. Turn it off. You need the gospel. You need the gospel all the time because that's the lens with which you live your life And if you do not understand that, then you maybe don't understand the gospel yet, so today you can. If you do understand the gospel, but you're just in a habit of not listening to it, you're in the habit of listening to yourself, or listening to Satan, or listening to the world and its lies over and over and over, you need to begin to preach to yourself, and you need to be in community. You need to consider yourself dead to sin. You you wake up and you say, sin, I am dead to you. Jesus is my master, and he's given me his spirit so I can follow him. He's given me his word so I can follow him, and you need to do it. Now, let's finish here, 12, 13, and 14. More things for us to consider. How do we do this? How do we consider ourselves dead, Paul? Help us. He says, no problem, I got you. Verse 12, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Notice this: let not sin, reign, You have a choice, folks. Before you're in Christ, guess what? No choice. In Christ, you have a choice. You either walk in step with God's Spirit or you walk in step with the flesh and you let sin just reign where it does not belong. It doesn't belong. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Verse 13, do not present your members, your body, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and all your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Notice he doesn't start here. Notice these are verses 12 and 13. They're not verses 1 and 2 in the passage. They're not even part of chapters 1 through 5. You know why? Because you have to have the framework of being saved by grace. Righteousness through faith. God's work in you. But as He's given you His Spirit, guess what? you got work to do. Not on your own strength, but on the strength of the Holy Spirit. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. On your notes, I have four things for you with that. Four things for you to walk away with. The first thing I have for you, again, is to consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. First takeaway, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. How are you going to do that? The gospel. Second takeaway, burn the ships. You're like, huh? You didn't mention ships yet. I don't have a ship. I don't even have a boat. I have to borrow somebody else's boat every time I go out. They're a terrible captain. We never catch fish. you got to burn the ships. What this comes from, there's a a great song uh, for King and Country, they talk about this, but as the legend goes, or as the story goes, in the 1500s, there was a Spanish explorer, Captain Cortez. And supposedly what happened is they got to their destination, there's some debate on where that is exactly, they got to their destination, and he had those who were on the ship with him, and he said, okay, we need to go inland, and we need to conquer, we need to continue to discover, we need to push forward, and here's what they kept doing. They kept looking back at the ships. They knew the ships. They were comfortable with the ships. The ships is was they, were, they were safe. So according to the story, the captain burned the ships down. He said, "There's no way back now. You need to move forward. And some of you hear me, some of you, I am, your pastor, some of you, I get to be your pastor on a weekend when you come through, but listen to me carefully. Some of you need to burn some ships. You need to get some things out of your life that do not need to be there. It may be people. It may be relationships. It may be a situation. It may be a church that's not really a gospel-preaching church. You need to move on. I don't know what it is, but God does, and he will tell you. He will make it known to you. Maybe it's dependence on drugs, alcohol, something. I don't know, but you need to get rid of it, burn it, so there's no way back to it. That would be the second thing that I have for you. The third thing on your list here that I have for you is you need to see your life and body as an instrument of righteousness to God. You need to look at your life and your body, your body parts as righteousness, as instruments of righteousness to God. So when you're about to say something or do something, think about it. Is this going to be righteousness to God? Is this, am I using this as an instrument to righteousness to God or to sin? And ask God to give you strength not to obey that if it's an instrument to sin. You don't have to play that instrument. You can play the other instrument. You can play your instruments to God. That would be the third thing. The fourth comes out of the last verse of the text, verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you. Why? Since you are not under law, but under grace. So I need you to remember the fourth thing, the takeaway. You need to remember that you're under grace. You need to remember that you're under grace. Will you mess up? Yes. Did Jesus die for that too? Yes. But remember whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen?